how could we not pray after that time of worship, eh? I mean, it would be just weird to just come up here and start speaking. Thank you, uh, worship team. That was awesome because God is awesome. And thank you all for being here and those at home or wherever you are watching or maybe later in the week you're going to take in this uh, service. I didn't emphasize uh, taking that worship time. Uh, maybe twice, maybe three times. It's recorded. That's great. So I feel like uh, maybe this is going to become a tradition that uh, I'm the bearer of good news. Summer has started because I get to start the summer series and wah, 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 kind of like Brian's announcement. This is the end of a summer sermon series. So I'm the uh, bookends. I told you that the first, night, first uh, week. So uh, yeah, sorry, summer's ending, but uh, that's okay. I want to start by giving you an opportunity to do a little visualization, just for a moment. I want you to picture in your mind somebody who has been a, just a great, great supporter, encourager, a champion for you. Think of a conversation where somebody really encouraged you, really spoke into your heart and lifted you up. Can you picture somebody? Think of somebody that was just such a great supporter and encourager for you. You got that? Now, by contrast, I think we can all remember somebody who has been kind of a naysayer, kind of dismissive, negative, a denouncer, somebody that maybe discouraged you. Can you remember a conversation and picture that as well? I see a few quiet nods going on. Does it already conjure up a little bit of emotion? I'm sorry for that. This could have been triggering, I know. Somehow I'm going to ask you now to set that aside so you're not thinking about that experience or that person for the rest of this time together. But my focus there was to say words matter. Words really, really, really matter. You know that sticks and stones may break my bones? Hogwash. Words can never hurt me. Words can empower us, motivate and drive us, and words can really influence the rest of our lives in, in very negative ways. And we're going to talk about words today. We've been going through this summer series, looking at the book of Proverbs. I hope you've been in that book and looking at those verses. And we've talked about family, and we've talked about friendship and finances, uh, all kinds of different topics. And today we're focusing in, we're zeroing in on wisdom, God's wisdom for our life, practical information about how we can live to do with this little organ we have called the tongue. So we're going to be talking about our lips, about our mouths, the, the speech that we have, and the wisdom that we can gain from God in order to control this thing. So I'm going to invite you to bow with me and pray again before we launch in. So, yeah, Lord, you are holy. Lord Jesus, you are not just that far-off um, spectacle in our minds of someone that we will one day see and bow before. You are intimately involved and relational and connected with us by your Spirit. And you're involved with our lives, with what we do, what we spend, what we think, what we say. So I just want to invite you by your spirit to be very much a part of what we consider together 
right now, today. I pray that your word would penetrate uh, and be able to change us. Help us to focus. And if anything I say is just fluff or chaff, let, let that just be let go of. But may the kernel of what you need for us to know, each of us individually, be impactful and useful for the days to come. That we might show how holy and glorious you are by our lifestyle, for Jesus' sake. Amen. So yeah, words matter. And I want to prove that to you first by going over a few specific verses about our words in Scripture. So the first one is Genesis chapter 1. Let's go right to the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says in that chapter, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke the entire universe into being. Think about that for a moment. Powerful words. Then we jump all the way up to the New Testament, one of the very first books of the New Testament, John, and he mirrors that Genesis 1 passage in John chapter 1, and he says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and lived for us for a while among us. Jesus is the Word of God. Think about that. All the titles we know about Jesus, He is the Logos, the, the very Word of God. And He was from the beginning. And yet He steps into history so that He could be connected, intimately involved with us, and changing us. Do words matter? How about go back to the Old Testament then, Deuteronomy chapter 5. We're looking at the top 10 list. God's faith community is rescued from bondage. They're at the base of a mountain. God writes 10 commandments for Moses to bring to the people. And on that top 10 list, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Or we all learned it as thou shalt not lie. Correct. I'm jumping back up to John chapter 8. Contrast that with this. Jesus is standing before a bunch of opponents, people that claim to be God's faithful people, and yet they're plotting to kill him. <laughs> and he says, if, you, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Well, he answers that. Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and, uh, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So I want you to recognize Satan is the father, the, the founder of lying. And these people who think they're being faithful and are plotting to kill Jesus. Why? Because they're also liars in their hearts. And because they are 
like that, Jesus says, you are unable to hear what I say. Even good and righteous and correct and powerful words can be lost if we in our own tongues and hearts are liars. Think about that. That truth can be blocked. So words matter. And the, and the last passage I want to give you from Romans, this is the ultimate. I think this is Paul's ultimate expression. So Paul writes Romans, one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's like the, the theological book, right? And he, he spends the first three chapters trying to prove to anybody and everybody who's going to read this that we're all sinners. He tries to tell that to every Jewish reader. He then t- turns and talks to all the Gentiles that are going to read this, and he tries to prove it. And, I'm, and the way I picture it, now he's saying, look, I'm going to give you one more example before we move on and I tell you all about what Christ has done for us. One more example so that you can't go, well, I know she's really bad. I know what she did last week, but I don't do that, right? I know he murdered somebody. I'd never be a murderer, right? So you could sort of try to do that escape thing. But no, no, he's, he's coming up with what's one way I can prove that everybody in their hearts can say, yeah, that's me too. So he says this in Romans 3, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. Proof? Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Everything he says is about our mouth. Like, you can't escape that. Yes, I have said bad things at some point. Yes, I have said things that God is not pleased with. Correct? You need proof? That's proof. Just listen to people's language. So now we come to Proverbs. And in our first message on Proverbs, I said, this is God's training manual for life. This is God's, here's, here's how you are to live. But it's not just a call to a lifestyle. We know that God through Christ empowers us to actually put into practice what he's calling us to do and to be, right? So it's not just this impossible thing. These are practical tips about lifestyle where where God can mold us, Christ can change us to be so. And it's really specific. And it's really practical. So we're going to go through a really brief medley of verses, just the way Proverbs is, and we're going to look at the bad news first. Some of the negative things that we do with this tongue of ours. But hold on, we'll get to the good stuff too. We'll look at some of the good things that can happen through our lips as well. Then I'm going to give you a little bit of psychology lesson. Get ready for that. And afterwards, we're going to close with a declaration that I think you're going to love. If, well, if you love Christ. So let's start with the harsh reality. These are the, the negatives, the bad news about our speech, okay? The first one, lesson one. 
I've, I've given a title to these. This isn't from Scripture. These are my titles. Loose lips sink ships. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19, and also Proverbs eleven thirteen 13 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. Gossip, the loose lips thing, right, is denounced here. And not only is it wrong to gossip, this verse says, so avoid anyone who. So part of the issue isn't the person that's, hey, guess what I heard about so-and-so. It's us going, oh, what did you hear? Right? There's two sides to that coin. So we need to be warned uh, to avoid the gossiper and obviously don't be the gossiper. The second one, this one's a little tricky. I'm calling it sly speech. Proverbs 25, 23. Like a north wind that brings unexpected rain, does anybody know what that's like? Um, is a sly tongue which provokes a horrified look. That's the way the NIV says it. What does that mean? What's a sly tongue? The language here is a little tricky. If you go from the New American, sorry, the New, New International Version, if you go to the New American Standard, I, I think it's a really great translation of the Bible. It says it like this. I love this. The north wind brings rain, and a gossiping tongue brings an angry face. I love this because it's like the first recorded in history statement about an emoji. <laughs> Isn't it? Just like north wind brings rain, gossiping tongue, angry face. You're going to remember that now, right? But... The NASB also, if you, if you look at it, has a little number, a little letter. There's a footnote. And at the bottom of the page, it gives an even better explanation of the language there. It says, um, a tongue of secret, a sly tongue or a gossiping tongue. It says it's a, a tongue of secret, which can mean gossiping, but it can also mean backbiting, right? And that which... Maybe if you're younger, you don't even know what that means. It means when you go aside and you're saying negative things about somebody else, you might not just be gossiping about the latest juice on them. You're actually bad-mouthing somebody, all right? So these are the things that are listed here that we're supposed to avoid. So the lesson for us is that, yeah, sometimes we speak in private to somebody, but that should be, it should be rare that we're intentionally going aside and trying to speak in private about other people. We should try to keep that to a minimum, especially we should probably check our motives for doing that in the first place, right? We should be most often able to speak in private what we could also herald from the mountaintops, I would generally say. Like there are some things that are confidential, but we want to be careful about why we're going confidentially to speak about somebody. The next one, Proverbs 24, 28. This is a pretty easy one to understand. Do not testify against your neighbor without cause. Would you use your lips to mislead? What's that mean? Don't make stuff up. Don't make stuff up. Don't deceive people when you're talking about others. And by the way, if you're sharing about something going on in someone's situation, 
and you've heard from, maybe it's about a couple, rarely will the full truth be what you heard from only one side of the story. That's all I'm going to say about that. You with me? We don't make stuff up or don't share if you don't know all the truth. The next one I'm calling blah, blah, blah. Proverbs 10, 19. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. So I'm pretty communicative. I, got, I have some problems with this. I like to talk. But the, there's a risk of talking too much because it's potentially going to lead you into sin, is what that says. So we need to be mindful of just how much we say. A segue to that would be, if you want to learn more about that, go to James chapter 3. We're not going to do that today, but I would say, spend your time in James chapter 3, learning about the tongue. There is gold to be mined in that one little passage, let me tell you. Fifth lesson, be, and I know we're going quickly through these. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Proverbs 17, 4. A wicked person listens to deceitful lips. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. So this is, again, like the first verse. This isn't about what you're saying, what we are saying. This is about what you're willing to listen to. So I'll give you a really quick example here. A couple of weeks ago, I had a staff of mine at work call in sick. No problem, figure it out, get someone to fill in for them. And then someone at work, another coworker whom I know is a good friend of hers, came to me, like was looking for me early in the morning. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? She's not gonna be here today. I was like, yeah, yeah, she let me know she wasn't gonna be here. We were talking, she told me what's going on. I don't know if I should, about three times she said, I don't know if I should tell you, but she was telling me what's going on. She was dying to tell me. Have you been there? So I said, hold on, stop right there. I just stopped her and I said, look, she let me know she can't be here and that's good enough for me. I'm assuming she spoke to you as a friend and as a confidant. She hasn't shared anything else with me. So how be you demonstrate your friendship and leave that there if she feels she needs to divulge more to me, reveal more to me what's going on in her situation? Let's let her do that. And I walked away. Right? Most of us, oh, there is something to be known here. Right? We've got to train not only our mouths but our ears to be able to say, we are all on a need-to-know basis. And at this point, I feel like I don't need to know. We should be okay with that. I know that's hard for some of us. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, lesson six, engage brain, then mouth. Proverbs twelve eighteen. the words of the reckless pierce like swords. And Proverbs 18, 13, the, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Ooh. So it's shameful to engage your mouth before your brain. Hmm. I have a little trouble with that one too. I'll give you a personal experience with that. Early when Mary and I were dating, didn't tell her I was going to say this, um, 
we were in a small group and we were having a conversation. And I'm, you know that I'm a little hyperactive, right? And, and I'm pretty quick with a quip. And, and I used to be so much more humorous. <laughs> Witty. Impulsive. Maybe crass. I used to speak before thinking. And I remember we were in a little group and I was saying something, ah, yeah, ha, 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 I said something, everybody laughed, ah, and it was at Mary's expense. And in her wisdom, she came in private to me and spoke, you know, I didn't appreciate that. What, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. And she recounted for me, I was like, oh, I was just kidding, everybody laughed, it was okay. She said, no, do you know what? I have never, ever said anything disparaging about you before anyone. And I was like, yeah, right, come on, remember the time that... And I couldn't find a thing. And it pierced me, and it was a deep life lesson. I am, am I just trying to be entertaining, and I'm being harmful? And what love someone can show that they would always have my back and always be a positive reporter of me? I need to learn this, and it's taking me a lifetime. And you can jump on me. I give you permission, not literally. You can tell me if I'm going overboard, trying to be funny, but it's hurtful. It's taken me a long time, and I'm learning what that means. But it's right to guard our tongues. Last one. I'm not going to say much about this. This one's obvious. Flattery gets you nowhere. Proverbs 26, 28, and Proverbs 29, 5. A flattering mouth works ruin. So I just want to say, why do we flatter? There's a difference between being an encouragement and, and using flattery, right? So if you're, oh, you're so good, look at how amazing you're, like, what are we trying to do there? Are we trying to get a sale? Are we trying to uh, get everyone to think I'm such a nice person because I'm speaking so highly of you in such a kind of a weird, fake way, right? So try to distinguish between flattery, kind of empty words, versus true encouragement about somebody and their, 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 their service or their character. There is a difference. Okay, so deep breath, pause. Everybody feel badly now? Can everybody relate to at least one of those? Ugh, feel beat up? Me too. And the Bible has so much more, not just in Proverbs, right? It talks about our cursing and about, about our backbiting. It talks about our boasting. It's, there's just so many things that we can do wrong with this little part. So what's the best thing to do? Right, tape and don't speak. No, no, that's not it. Remember, what I started off with, here are some of the good things that have happened with words. Through words, God created sun and light and flowers and color and babies and all kinds, right? Great things, wonders. And with words, we, through him, can have powerful, transformative things to say. I think of um, uh, Martin Luther King with his I Have a Dream. If you've ever read that speech, changed the world. So it's not just about hush up. 
We have to transform. So let's go to, I'm going to be way more brief here. I'm going to give you just some of the positive, the soothing effects of our speech. Lesson one, spiritual CPR. Proverbs 10, 11, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Our mouths can help bring life, beauty, edification, growth to a situation. That's huge. We can do that? Now, is that us doing it? This fountain of life, this phrase comes from Psalm 36. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness disguise. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice is like the great deep. O Lord, you preserve both mankind and beast, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. So am I the source of all this great stuff? I am not. But God can use our lips and accomplish I can't even imagine what he could accomplish. Friends, this is the gospel. The first time, first, first passage, first, uh, what am I saying? The first message we gave on Proverbs, I said, through the summer, we're going to do a bunch of different topics, which are going to talk about our wallets, and we're going to talk about our words, and we're going to talk about our friendships. But the reality is, no, Everything we've been talking about through the summer is, has one single unifying theme, and that's redemption. God, through Jesus Christ, is redeeming this world. He's redeeming us. When we come to Jesus, the Bible says we're saved. We're saved. We're justified. But then we go through a lifetime, however long that is, and that whole saving thing is a process. We are being sanctified. We are sanctified. We are being changed from the inside out. So all these separate topics in Proverbs, this is one topic. This is one theme. This is one reality. If you know Christ as Savior, He can redeem your wallet However way you used to think about money or use your money, the way you spent or hoarded whatever or whatever you did, God can take that and redeem it for his kingdom. And then he can take your relationships, muddy as they are, broken as they may be, and he can take those relationships and he can redeem them and do great things through your relationships. And your mouth too. God can take whatever sin, weakness, faults you have, and he can change. I have changed, not on my own accord. God can transform that, and he can do it, for instance, by reading Proverbs and inviting his spirit to speak to my heart and mold me into the image of Christ. This is the theme of Proverbs, God's training manual for life. You with me? They're not separate themes. Okay, I'm going to skim over the last ones. Um, lesson two, wise words heal hearts. Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. What we say to each other can actually be a salve, a healing ointment. 
to restore somebody. That's amazing. Uh, lesson three, easy does it. A gentle word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Do we not know that our harsh words can create bitterness in the heart of another? Did I not refer to that at the very opening? Think of a person who, and did you have a little <clears throat> about that person that hurt you with their words? But, but the, the, the opposite is true too. Soothing tongue, gentle answer. Lesson four, powerful words. The tongue has the power of life and death. Let that sink into you. This is what I was speaking of earlier. The power of life and death. Lesson five, considerate counsel. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Well thought out, you don't have to have a speech plan, but well thought out, prudent, careful response to people, right? This is what it's talking about, can really make a difference. Think about what you might say to help somebody who's coming to you in distress. And then the last one, reception versus rejection. This is a great contrast. Proverbs 15, verse 12 and 31. Mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise, kind of like those people that Jesus was speaking to, and they couldn't even hear what he was saying. Mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise. And then 1531, whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. You want to be in that category of wise? Sometimes... Positive, good, transformative words are hard. Not harsh, but they're hard. Like telling you when you've messed up or asking you if you're going astray or, or wondering what your motives are for what you just did or said. Receiving correction. All right, so the psychology lesson I spoke of before I do our final declaration. I don't want this to be psychobabble but I want you to hear some, some truth that I think we know um, from the world of science. I want to talk about our words, but not the ones that we speak out loud. I'm talking about our inner voice, the things we say to ourselves, okay? Um, Jesus said, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If we have a mouth problem, the problem isn't actually this. It's this. It's a heart issue, right? Whatever comes out of our mouth is coming from our heart. And so we need to think about this for a moment. Um, we have a mental tendency towards negativity. You may not know that. The actual synapses in our brain tend towards negativity. So if something terrible and traumatic happens to you in your life, that's actually embedded and ingrained in your memory more powerfully than dancing in the flowers and the daisies and, and playing with the kids. Like the, the impact and the embeddedness is deeper with negative things. It's a problem, right? So we need to learn 
Well, let me say, because of that, we also then tend towards negative self-dialogue. That's actually our default without Christ. That's who we are. So we need to flip the script. We need to figure out how to change that. So I'll give you an example. So in my work, so I work with people with chronic conditions, right? I work with people with Parkinson's disease and spinal cord injuries and, and uh, MS and post-stroke and all that kind of thing. And I work with people with diabetes. So I, I help run programs for people who are, have diabetes and we, we give them some exercise, just very gentle movement to try to get those blood sugars under control and education as well. We teach them all about, about diet and about exercise, but also about the mental game of lifestyle change. How to, how to get to the place where you're able or even willing to do something yourself about this condition. You with me? That's not easy. The actual doing the exercise is the easy part. The overcoming all the hurdles and burdens in your head is the hard part. And so we face, we, you know, there's categories of these negative thoughts, excuses, should-haves, comparisons, giving up. For instance, oh, I ate that dessert, I'll never eat properly, right? Or you want to go for a walk, but in Canada you say, it's too cold, it's too hot, it's too windy, it's too stormy, it's too dark, it's too, right? Yeah, you know, right? Or the comparison, I walked 15 minutes, Oh, but Betty over there, she walked an hour, and, right? And you go down the tubes just because you didn't do what somebody else did. Or the worst yet is when you give up. It's too hard. I'll never get it right. It's no use. I may as well give up. And we try to help people to be able to say in their own heads something else. One slip is not the end. It's not a race. We can go at a different pace. I'm learning about myself. I can try something else. It's worth it. I'm worth it. Or maybe I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, I don't use that in our, in our situation. But um, we need to learn what it is in our heads and our mouths to walk in step with the Spirit. And so I want to help us right now. I want to close by flipping the script. I don't know what you've been saying, where the fault line is for you, what maybe is going on in your head that maybe I need through Christ to think differently. I don't know what that is for you, but I want us to finish off by speaking truth. So rather than me closing in prayer for you or doing a benediction, I actually want to say this as a prayer. So you can just listen, you can read it, you can close your eyes, you can say it with me, you decide, but I want us to say this because it's true and it's real. And then, this is not from me. I found this years ago, and I keep this as a bookmark in one of my Bibles. So I'm, I've had these made up. So after I go over this, we're going to hand these out to anybody who wants them. Keep it somewhere. Put it on your fridge. Put it on your bedside table. When you're discouraged, when you're negative, say what's true. Speak truth to your own heart. Okay, you with me? Um, let me ask you to stand, if you're able. And let me just say this to you, or with you. Just listen. Who am I? Answer that right now. Can you? Can you put it into words? Are the words reality to you? 
Say them out loud. Write them down. Say them to a friend when you feel like you're losing your grip. I am an eternal child of the living God. I am a new creation, God's masterpiece. I am a steward managing the king's resources until his return. I was redeemed at a terrible price, the cost of my Lord's own blood. I do not belong to myself. My body, mind, time, and energies belong to Jesus Christ. I was, in fact, crucified with him on the cross. And my old identity no longer lives. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the very dwelling place of God. I live not for myself, but for him who died and rose again for me. And why am I here? Do it again. You know all the words. Believe them. Cling to them. Mold your mind around them. I am salt, a preservative for a decaying culture, and light, illumination for those who are cut off from God and have lost their way. I'm in a race surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses in the grandstands, punishing my body and straining every nerve to win the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm in a war, an agent of the king behind hostile lines, stealing away brainwashed hostages from beneath the enemy's watchful gaze. I'm a mirror reflecting the bright image of God's Son to a bored and cynical world. And where am I going? I'm on my way home, but I'm not there yet. This world, this life is incredibly brief. The merest flicker, a puff of smoke, a heartbeat, a sigh. But I am destined to outlive the sun, the moon, the vast galaxies of space, and serve the great king and creator through endless ages. Those daily hurts, wounds, worries, that cry for my attention will be forgotten in the blink of an eye. Those sinful, sensual longings that scream for my indulgence are no reality at all compared with that reality. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> 